Lent is a time for self-reflection and prayer. One way to do this is by exploring the life, actions, and teachings of Jesus. First Baptist Church of Athens, Georgia offers these devotions for your Lenten journey. Using the book, Seeing with Jesus, Developing a Worldview Shaped by the Gospels, written by Jack Glasgow, members from our church have prepared daily devotions offering insights, discoveries, and yes, sometimes questions. This week, our devotions correspond with chapter 3, Seeing in His Encounters. Today's devotion is from Mike Cleland. Listen as the piano arrangement of Be Thou My Vision, played by Alan MacArthur, points you to look at the world through the eyes of Jesus. As we move through the season of Lent, one of the emphases that we will be discovering is attempting to develop a worldview like that of Jesus. The theme of the book, Seeing with Jesus, is to provide an alternative to what is often considered a biblical worldview. In many respects, the idea of a biblical worldview sounds quite positive and part of what every Christ follower should endeavor to achieve. There was a time when I felt this as well. However, all too often, the idea of a biblical worldview takes on the trappings of inerrancy, Dobson's family values, the church as baptized by politics, or white male patriarchal privilege to the point that it is far from the Bible's original intention. When we view our world through the eyes of Jesus, we engage in a hermeneutical exercise or how we interpret the scriptures that reviews the entire biblical text, respecting each part, but also seeking to discover 
how we interpret it today through the intentions and teachings of Jesus. In chapter 3 specifically of Seeing with Jesus, we survey how Jesus dealt with people at all different levels of society. I remember many years ago hearing about a pastor who always had a driver that was assigned to him to take him from place to place and make his hospital visits and visitation calls. The church didn't want the pastor driving around on his own, in his own car, and apparently falling victim to road rage, and thereby tearing down his reputation in the eyes of the church and the pastor himself. But Jesus didn't need a driver. In the Gospels, Jesus encounters people wherever he finds them and deals with them according to their point of need. I want to focus on three areas in this chapter for this specific devotion that rise to the surface in terms of how Jesus sees and encounters people. The first area is that of family. While many people talk about a biblical family value, in many ways it appears Jesus was opposed to, or at the very least unaware of such a thing. His teachings were controversial within the context of Jewish family values, which, yes, placed the family in a very central core position. From his questioning his parents at the temple, he would say, Why are you searching for me? Found in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. In John chapter 2, verse 4, he says to his mother Mary, Woman, why do you involve me? Sounds rather abrupt to our ears. And then again in Luke chapter 8, verse 21, he states, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Jesus appears to distance himself from traditional family interactions. Now, make no mistake, in terms of relationships, Jesus condemns male-centered abuse, and the minimizing of the marriage partnership. But he doesn't elevate the family to the fourth person of the Trinity, as our book makes reference. Truthfully, family privilege and couples privilege has become so much of a part of our society, whether non-religious or religious, the person on the margins loses their voice in equality in many situations. In 2015, In a series of articles on the state of women in Baptist life, the fifth in such a series introduced in 2005, Pam Durso said that giftedness and calling do not necessarily guarantee Baptist women a place to serve. I quote, Some women endure great heartache because of an extended search process and the relentless rejection they encounter via letters and emails, unquote. Durso also said that an unmarried female pastoral candidate faces a particularly uphill battle. She says it is challenging for a single woman to find calling as a Baptist pastor. Secondly, Glasgow makes the point regarding Jesus' temptations in the wilderness that it is easy to preach and teach Scripture in such a way that reinforces those traditions and customs that defend the status quo. That is found on page 38. This is the temptation for food or feeding people with information based only on what they want to hear. At his core, Jesus was a prophet and would not be constrained by this temptation 
to be popular at the expense of speaking truth to power. Today's churches and Christians need to be aware of this tendency as well. If everything we hear on Sundays and through the week makes us feel good only and reinforces previously held beliefs, the chances are pretty good that something is missing somewhere. What we need in contrast to this, and it seems what Jesus provided in spades, is teaching and preaching that deconstructs our traditions, customs, and beliefs, and that forces us to listen closely to Jesus, to hear what God is really saying to us through him. We don't want to succumb to feel-good religion or financial blessing religion. How many of us may remember the prayer of Jabez that was so popular a few years back? It goes something like this, quote, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain, unquote. It seems to me that this prayer applies far more to Hancock Avenue than it does to the Georgia Club. Finally, we see the view of Jesus exemplified so strongly in terms of his encounters in relation with women. Now, it would be anachronistic and inappropriate for Jesus to be viewed as a feminist. Truly, he did live and minister in a male-dominated world. But if you look at Jesus' life and his teachings, the way he interacts with women certainly is far differently than many contemporary teachers or rabbis would do. When Jesus encounters women throughout the Gospels, he puts himself on the margins along with them. He takes risks from the accepted societal point of view. Race, religion, and reputation all come into play as Jesus interacts with the woman at the well, with the woman caught in adultery, with the woman who anoints him with a costly alabaster jar of perfume and who wipes his feet with her tears. Jesus takes risks and is often misunderstood by both his companions and religious leaders. He was also misunderstood by other women. Glasgow points out that in the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus' teaching point was to deconstruct a bit the traditional view that women were there to serve and that there was nothing wrong with Mary's desire to listen to Jesus. In fact, it was not the lazy option. It was the best option. But Glasgow points out, again, that there's a bit of a twist on this story, and that is... So often we ascribe virtue to busyness, and often we give virtue to women who are in service roles. Now, there are the extremity of ridiculous statements, and they still abound in our world. Just last fall, on October 18, 2021, there was an article in Baptist News Global entitled, SBC says church planters must pledge not to hire women as pastors, just like they pledge not to drink alcohol. I'll pause here a moment while you might chuckle. We still see, in spite of some uptick in women serving as senior pastors, ordained women in our churches, though not fully participating in all ministerial actions, such as baptisms, communions, weddings, and funerals. Now, Lent is a time of releasing certain things and it is a time of embracing others. Those things that will be of spiritual benefit to us as individuals and those around us. May we seek to take on the worldview of Jesus 
who redefined the family in terms of the greater Christian community, who refused to take part in speaking only what people wanted to hear, and who emphasized that women still represent, in many ways, the marginalized of all kinds who need to hear a word from God. And thanks be to God for his good word. Thank you.